gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Glowing Weak Point, the show where I clap and then immediately start talking. I'm your host as always, John, and with me, my co-host as always, Wombat! How's it going? It's, it's happening, man. It's, you know, life, school, bullshit. Goddamn. Yeah. We're in December now. Fuck December. We are. Today. Hate December. Today is December. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Hey. Not feeling What's your great. glowing weak point? Uh, my glowing weak point is, okay, so you remember Knives Out, right? It was, yeah. it was a really good mystery movie that Ryan Johnson made. Um, yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig, Southern Detective. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. The sequel to it came out this week, and it was only in theaters for a week. Why? Um, because Netflix made it, and they wanted it to be on Netflix. Uh, but also, okay. it was a big Ryan Johnson movie starring Daniel Craig, so you can't not put it in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it got a week in theaters, and guess who saw it in theaters? You! Me! That's who. My god, that movie was fantastic. Just... Just absolutely beautiful. Listen, there's a twist at exactly the halfway point of the movie. Like, down to the minute, halfway through the movie. Fucking big-ass twist. Where the whole spoilers. Movie, no, it, no, no major spoilers, but, like, the whole movie, you think that uh, Benoit Blanc, you know, the Daniel Craig's detective character, is the main character, but he is not the main character. <laughs> I I assumed it wouldn't be considering that that's how they did it with the other one. Right, with Knives Out he's he's not really the main character. He's the most memorable character, but he's not the main one. But for the first half of this movie, he is, and then he is suddenly not. <laughs> uh honestly, with the first one, uh the main character is Chris Evans' sweater. Uh, from a certain perspective, Dude, his sweater... It, it holds him real nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a fantastic sweater. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good sweater. Yeah. But yeah. but also, the movie, hot. Ryan Johnson makes hot movies. Um, <laughs> he does. <laughs> one of the only ones out there still making movies hot. Yeah. What about you, John? Uh, What's your glowing weak point? Well... I mean, I feel like we're kind of missing out if we don't mention the fact that uh, Thanksgiving happened this past week. Oh, I guess it did. It did. So, I mean, there's that. Had had some really tasty food there. Um, what, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, we went to a friend's house and uh, Cadence's family member's house. It, it was too much for me, to be honest. <laughs> okay. I'm not. Y'all do do turkey and. Yeah, I mean they both did. I'm not an entirely uh, sociable person, so yeah, I get like a couple hours in, maybe three, and I'm good for the week at, at a yeah. party like that. And um, we were out for probably like seven hours, so. <laughs> yeah. Not including there's, driving. There's, it's it's different between like going out and hanging out with someone 
versus going to an event. Yeah. Sort of thing. Where it's hard to um, like walk places because there's so many people. Yeah. Well, and and then there's also like there's a further extreme of like going to a concert or something where it, it goes back around to being fine because sure there's a buttload of people there. But nobody knows anyone else, so you're all just strangers to each other living their own lives. Yeah. Like, there's there's other people, but they, they you don't You can choose to life, interact so. or not. Yeah. At a, at a like, family get-together sort of thing, or a, a party sort of, like, Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving party sort of thing, yeah, you're, you're stuck. You're expected you to mingle. You gotta interact with everyone, yeah. Ugh. Also, this is yet another reason why doing Thanksgiving for yourself at home is fantastic. Also, Cadence's like grandma or aunt or something fell, and I was there. And this is oh. this is a weird story. So she fell in the garage, right? And I was getting some Sprite from the refrigerator in the garage, and I turn around and I'm like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "I'm fine. I'm good." And I'm like, "Do you need help getting up?" And she's like, no, 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 I've got, I've got this. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> and so I leave. Right? Yeah. And then, and then she's in the room like 30 minutes later talking about how I left her on the fucking floor. I'm like, hold on now. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's calm down a moment here. <laughs> like, um... I did ask if you needed help. Yeah. And... Uh, like the the way I've been raised, if people say they don't need help, you leave them alone. Like yeah, because because at that point it's rude to force your help on them. Like yes, they say they've got this, they've got this. Walk yeah. away. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So Ugh. that was a little upsetting. Yeah. As it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did uh, you do? Uh, All right, you stayed well, home. We, we we stayed home. We had a ham and some twice baked potatoes and sweet potato casserole and uh, some some brown sugar green beans with pancetta and some butternut squash and all delicious foods. You know what and, I'm. Uh, I'm learning as an adult that people don't actually normally do for, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas. What? A green bean casserole. That, oh, yeah, that's 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 a Midwestern thing, mostly. Is it? Because uh, I yeah. grew up in Alabama and Florida, and my, my mom and her parents were from New York, and fucking green bean casserole was just a staple of the holidays. Not a yeah. holiday went by where we did not have green bean casserole. Nah, it's not really a southern thing that much. It's it's mostly a, a midwestern thing. That's um, weird. It feels yeah. southern to me just because I grew up in the south and we always oh. did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about things that are staples of meals that I have literally never done... Uh, <laughs> listening to videos this past week of, like, like three videos in a row were, were different people, different groups of people talking about, like, definitive Thanksgiving sides. Right. And every single one of them mentioned mashed potatoes is, like, 
a definitive, like, it is not Thanksgiving without mashed potatoes on the table. And I have literally never had mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. I think you need a potato dish. But oh, it does not, absolutely. It does not have I, to be mashed potatoes. I, I, I concur that potatoes of some form or another have to be on the table. But I have never had mashed. And to be fair, uh, I feel like, that way about most meals, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, a big potato guy. Oh, yeah. No, I like, I, I love potatoes. And I love mashed potatoes. But to me, mashed potatoes aren't like a holiday thing. You, they're a daily thing. Are, yeah, they're not hard to make. No, like, like I feel like when it comes to a holiday, you pull out all the stops. Like you, you, you go all out. You do the the fancy things that you don't get all the time. Like your your bean green bean casseroles. You're not doing that every day. That's that's not a weekly or even monthly thing you're pulling out. But when it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter or something like that. Yeah, you, you, you do the, the fancier, harder to make, more complicated things, um, because that's, you know, that's that's the time when everyone's going to be together. The rest of the time, you make the easy shit, like mashed potatoes. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> mashed potatoes, really easy. You have to at least roast a potato for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, or, or like, you, you, can, you can do, like, sweet potato stuff. Like, I, I feel like... It's you not can, the same thing. You can have potatoes and sweet potatoes. Like I agree. Sweet I potatoes agree, are I, not a replacement for potatoes. Uh, okay, I, I will agree, but I, I disagree that you have to have a potato on the table then. I, I think potatoes or sweet potatoes, one or both, have to be on the table for Thanksgiving. You don't have to have a russet on your table for Thanksgiving or for holiday stuffs. Um... But you could do like a sweet potato casserole or like yeah like yeah roasted something yeah um instead of doing mashed potatoes or something like that but I would prefer a normal potato although my my um my aggravation with sweet potatoes is a recent thing um we've started doing the uh, instead of going grocery shopping all the time We've subscribed to one of those boxes that sends you food and recipes for Hello most Fresh of our or Blue Apron. Uh, the discount Hello Fresh. It's every plate. Okay. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they they do a lot of of sweet potato things. With Everything those, is those fucking sweet, sweet potato are, and carrots. Are cheaper. Yeah, and carrots are pretty cheap too. I here here's the thing. I love sweet potatoes and I love carrots and honestly you can roast them all day and I'll eat them all day because they are it, most vegetables are just better roasted. Yeah, I they, mean they are. I like them, but I would rather have a normal potato on my plate. I am yeah. so sick of sweet potato wedges. <laughs> it's too much. Just give me a potato wedge. My God. Well, and when they do send potatoes, they send the tiniest little fucking potatoes possible. Yes. Like, I've taken to going to the store just to buy a bag of potatoes to fill those fuckers out. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, you should just do that because potatoes don't go bad. So just go get a, a big bag of potatoes. And then when you're like, I'm fucking tired of sweet potatoes, you just pull out one of those. And it, it takes the same amount of time to, like, bake it really well in the oven right so like yeah you, know, you, you put in your tray of 
cubes of things, and you also chuck in a potato, and then you pull it out at the end, and you're like, y'all can have that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mash this with some butter and sour cream. <laughs> <laughs> Go to town on that. Yeah. Um, so aside from the food on Thanksgiving, we also did, uh, we, we decorated the house for Christmas. So our house is, is fully decorated. Uh, we've got a, we got a big old tree in our living room. It's a big old live tree. We want to put up a tree. We just don't know where it would go in this house. Yeah. There's not really a spot for it now. Honestly, moving is one of the hardest things to figure out, like, decoration afterwards. Yeah, like, the best spot for it is taken up by the fireplace. And obviously we can't put uh, the tree by the fireplace. Because we want to use the fireplace. Yes. And then the spot next to the fireplace that would still be, like, safe to put it is where the bar is now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause, so, like, we, we have to move things around. Um, so, like, we, we've got a, a really tall, weird window. It's it's an eight-foot window. Like, it, or, or, like, seven and... It's a big window. window. It's a gigantic one. It's the it's floor to ceiling basically, and um, it's in the corner of our living room. And uh, we normally just keep the blinds closed there because I mean you, you don't need that. It it also like goes straight. Like you could be in my bedroom and look straight down the house out that window. <laughs> so, oh god! <laughs> so like it's not necessarily something you want to have open all the time. Or ever, Jesus. <laughs> we 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 do like some amount of privacy. I mean, our bed's around the corner in the bedroom, but that doesn't change the fact that you can stand on one outer wall of the house in the bedroom, look straight down the hallway, and look out the other outer edge of the house. And see your neighbors across the street. Yeah. So that's the perfect place for a a tree, because, you know, you put the tree in the window, you open the blinds, it it lights up, and you can see it from everywhere, and it's fantastic. Uh, But normally, we keep a recliner there. (laughs) So every year, we drag the recliner through the house to another room and make room for it there and put the tree there. So you, you might have to move things around for it, but I don't know. A, a bar doesn't seem like something you could easily move. No, there's not really a, a, another place for it. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing that can be moved to put a tree up. So I don't know what we're going to do if we're going to put a tree up or what, like... I don't know that we will, because we never fucking spend Christmas at home, even though I would like to, so that I could get to decide what we eat for once. (laughs) Do you have a, do you have like a coffee table in the middle of that room? No, but the cat, I can send you a picture later. Because you could just slap the tree in the middle of the room. So basically, the door opens, and there's the couch immediately on the left hand side. And on the right-hand okay. side is a wall, and then you have a pathway down to the kitchen. And then there's, like, a little cut path through, uh, like, around the couch, between the couch and the bar. And then the couch is not far from the television. So okay. the yeah. couch is in the middle of the room. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, you got a central couch situation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. 
it's going to be difficult to yeah. work that out. Like maybe we can put it upstairs in the unfinished game room, but nobody's ever up there but Mitchell because he works <laughs> there. So uh. we'll see. All right. Well, we watched some anime this week. A little bit. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm not months. caught up on everything. I am also not fully caught up on everything. In fact, I'll I'm, highlight I'm, what I'm what I'm uh, caught up on right now, or mostly caught up on. That one. Okay. That one. Okay. And that one. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Just those three. Yep, just those three. Because I've right, had, so... uh, b- beyond Thanksgiving, I had homework and shit to do in preparation for finals. Yeah, uh, and I've just been busy with work because I work retail and Thanksgiving is hell. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about Blue Lock because it's the only one of yours that is just yours that you're caught up on. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the main character of Blue Lock has finally figured out what his weapon is, the the thing that makes him unique as a as a striker. Um, yeah. And it turns out that it's just the same thing that makes the main character of um what was the previous soccer anime I was watching called Oh, um Awashi. Awashi. Yeah, it's just the same thing that he has going on. It's spatial awareness. He's able to he's he's aware of what's happening on the field even when he's moving around. Um yeah, and he's not at the point in the series we're at. He's not able to fully utilize it like the entire time, and he mostly does so subconsciously. Uh, okay, and he uses that spatial awareness in order to smell goals. Um, yeah, which basically oh, okay. amounts to he fucking goes into a fugue state and he'll just fucking appear where where he needs to be for somebody to pass him the ball and score. Nice. Yeah. Um I was a little disappointed that it was just the same gimmick the Awashi kid has. Uh especially since I think that one was still a better anime. But oh, interesting. Considering you have told me that Blue Lock is the best soccer adaptation. Oh no, I'm just saying it's a very unique sports adaptation, um, and I think it's very good. But I preferred Awashi so far. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying this. I just wish it weren't obvious which characters were going to get knocked out sooner or later like there's uh, there's 11 people on the the main characters team um and only five people can win the blue lock which means that some of these characters are going to have to get knocked out at some point it might not be soon but it will happen eventually and there's probably like Four or five of them I can point to and be like, they're gone. Those ones ain't making it. (laughs) They're not making it to the end. And there's, aside from the main character, three others that I can say 
are going to make it at least pretty far just because they get so much fucking focus in the the end credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I wish they would make that a little less obvious. Also, they're the ones with the most colorful hair. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That is typically how it works. It is. All right, what have it you was, been watching? It was funny hearing uh, <laughs> people talking about Blue Lock being true recently. What uh, do you mean? When Japan, Japan beat uh, Germany in the World Cup. <laughs> oh, did they? Which I believe is, like, something related to Blue Lock, like, like in the manga, like, further on. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's predictive programming. <laughs> Predictive programming, yeah. <laughs> uh, what if, holy shit, what if Japan wins the World Cup? That, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, we're all losing this World Cup. Right, because um, it's in Qatar? Qatar? Yeah, Qatar. I don't know how to pronounce, how to pronounce that country. Qatar. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're all losers since it's in Qatar. Yeah. Uh okay. Um, we're also, and because FIFA. Yeah, well, yeah. It's like, <laughs> hey, let's put the most like one of the most corrupt organizations in the world and one of the most corrupt nations in the world. Right. <laughs> Shouts out to all of our Qatar fans. We don't have any. <laughs> no. Um. So another one that you're up on is Chainsaw Man. Oh yeah. Continuing to be fantastic. Oh my god, the fucking... The two-episode arc where they're stuck in the one floor of a fucking hotel. Yes. That shit was hardcore. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, and it uh, rocked. It did. It did. It was, it was the best this show has been yet. Which was yeah, surprising, yeah. considering they introduced two characters that I thought would be intensely annoying, and they were, but in really fun ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, how long do you give uh, Knife Girl to live? Oh, uh, huh. Because <sighs> I think she dies two major arcs from now. I think yeah. there's no yeah. way she survives. <laughs> I mean, she, she's definitely not making it to the end. No. But... but Whatever happens time, along the like, way, <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. her. <laughs> and I uh, feel bad, because she's essentially been forced into the situation by her family, who clearly either don't care or don't understand the level of danger this job entails. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolute trash, by the way. Yeah. Uh, trash family. Um, but her flipping her shit and pulling the knife on on Denji and saying, <laughs> just fucking die then! <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And then she stabs him. Uh, she does manage to stab him. No, not him. Yep. Not him. Uh, ha... Uh, Hayakawa. Hayakawa. Haki. Haki. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then the fucking three days in the belly of an infinite beast just murdering it. Yep. 
perpetual motion machine. Uh huh. Drinking demon blood to keep his own blood supply up. Yeah. Oh my god. Chainsaw Man is uh, so good. Yeah. It was a little bit weird in the end where you're like, alright, cool. This is an underage man. Oh, yes. Yeah. No. Not cool. But also, and, uh, everybody here is fucked up, so, like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's clearly not supportive of what's going on. The show. No. Like, like yeah. it's not saying, this is a cool thing to do. It's saying, hey, she's a completely fucked up person, and Denji is so broken and in need of companionship that he'll take fucking anything that comes his way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I mean, we could just rattle off a few of these. Uh, Spike's family continues to be good, but... Unfortunately, I f- it, it fails to be, uh, I guess, noticeable in this new season. I guess mostly because it's just, it's kind of old news at this point. There's nothing fresh about it. It's already, it blew everybody out of the water two seasons ago. And, yeah. And now it's kind of coasting on that. And it can. Yeah. I, and it's still yeah, it's, good. And it's... It's not doing anything wrong. It's it's not like turning around with a realist hero, um, like season two or whatever. It Oof. Was. Oof. Which, yeah, it was like, hey, y'all have goodwill for this. Let's trash it by making bad anime. Right. Uh, it's it's still it's still high quality anime. It's just they're not doing anything to make it extra fantastic, uh, which would make this like in a different season would still make this be the top like show like it was when it came out but it's it's just not there's there's too much other stuff that's really good right there's Uh, there's chainsaw man obviously there's a mob psycho there's occupa made war there's reincarnated as a sword like, yeah, which should not be as good as it is. It should not be. The the eminence I, in shadow, like, uh, there's there's a whole oh. bunch of fresh stuff blowing people out yeah. of the water that Spy Family is kind of having trouble uh, keeping its its spot. Yeah, it's, it, it's, Spy's Family is doing maintenance in a world where we're getting blown out of the water every single week with, like, new interesting things. Although and I again, bet there's there's nothing wrong with Spyx family. It's just that like it's we're used to Spyx family at this point. It, it's bet... like having a cell phone. It's like, "Oh, I have a cell like what what's the big ideal?" Yeah. Like, like what's 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 new about this? I have it. It's still fucking incredible that we have a cell phone. Right. But we have one all the time. It's passé at this point. Yeah. But no, I think I think that Spy Family is going to have, like, a major arc in the last, like, three or four episodes that brings it back. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. That's what I expect. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're building up to something that's going to recapture everybody's attention in a big way. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, reincarnated as a sword is fantastic. I, I, I got up to date on it today. Um, it's, it's continues to be delightful. 
the the last I remember seeing was uh midway through the uh goblin fight. Oh, like man, you got so much to look forward to now. She was it's, fighting it's, it's... the the demon yeah. that was summoned. And it yeah. was just fucking kicking her ass so hard. <laughs> Dude, you've got like four or five episodes of fantastic anime in front of you. Oh my and god. I'm I'm so excited for you. Because <laughs> Reincar- Reincarnated as a sword is is it's stupid. It should not be good. <laughs> Maybe I'll catch up on that tonight. Maybe that's what I'll do. Oh, it's it's good. Um, uh, similarly, Eminence and Shadow is it's just good. It's so it's so chuny, but it's so good. <laughs> okay, tell me one thing, one thing that's um, happened in Eminence and Shadow to to wet my appetite. He died. What? He died. He died? He was... He dived in front of a... Like, they, they sucked all the magic out of an area, and and a a fantastic swordswoman was up there trying to, to fight this man. And, the princess? And the man was about to... No, different... Well, yes, a princess, but not the one you're thinking of. Okay. Um, and... A man was about to slash her to death, and he leaped in front of it and took the hit and died. His That's the second time he's died. Stopped. He is dead. But he's not. Oh no, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Oh my god. Is it going to be like one of those fucking? Is it going to be as badass as when Bell died in a, uh, fucking? Oh gosh! And like the 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 mermaid tears. Yes, it's not that badass. Okay, very little could be that badass. Right, that one was pretty fucking awesome. That yeah, that was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, no, this is this is not. That epic. It, it, it's it's not as epic as uh, uh, I am atomic either. Um, we, haven't, we haven't reached we haven't reached that peak again. I but am am atomic. Atomic. Fantastic. That's <laughs> oh, so good. I loved that so much. Um. I think I think yeah. when that happened, I messaged you like six messages right in a row, and one of them was just quoting that line. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Um, uh, do it, your Serifu is it's chugging along, I and mean, it's it's two girls doing DIY, and I it, might it, not it get can, back to that one. It can do no wrong, but it, I mean, we we got a lot of good stuff, so I it really doesn't have anything in particular to mention. <clears throat> I'll I'll do a, a you know clean up round of talking about it when the season ends, but that that's it. It's it's having um, difficulty because there's a better cute girls doing cute shit show called Bochi the Rock. It's it's very different feels there. It is, but like. <laughs> One holds my attention more. Yeah. Like, I, um, I am caught which, up on Bochi the Rock. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm caught up or if I'm missing an episode. What, what happened in the last one? 
Uh, shit, now you've got me questioning if I'm actually caught up, because one might have come out since I watched it. One uh, has they... come out since I watched. Okay, I don't think they had done the concert yet. I think it was, like, the... It ended with, like... It's no, the, the last one I saw right. was, um... It was... Uh, they were at her house. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then then we're at the same point, then. The, the next episode should be the concert. Yeah, I think um, so. Except the the end of the last episode showed that it's storming the night of their concert. Yeah. Like, horribly storming. Like, yeah, I think a like, typhoon like, is passing over. It's, it's, it's actually a typhoon, yes. <laughs> they, they, they reference that, like, 12 times during the episode of, like, ah, let's... The, the, the typhoon should miss us. That, that's gonna go The weather forecast here. was it's, saying the typhoon would miss them. Yeah. It didn't. It did not. It, it, it didn't. So, <laughs> it did not miss them. We'll see what they do about that, because that, that means their concert is probably not going to go well. Yeah. It, it means that all of the money that they uh, spent all that time for is going to go towards paying for the tickets, because... Yeah. Um, her, <laughs> her drunk adult bassist friend was cool. Oh, yeah, she was. I liked that she had a friend on speed dial who would just, like, bring her an amp. Yeah. <laughs> to a uh, random, like, bridge or whatever they were on <laughs> in the middle yeah. of town. Just like, hey, I need an amp and some cords to hook it up. Boom, got it. <laughs> didn't even show us the friend. <laughs> nope, they didn't matter. Nope. But they're a true friend. They are. Uh, and then she just jammed with with uh, a yeah. fucking bochi in the middle of town. Yeah, Goto. fucking great. And then the uh, uh, you know all cops are bastards. Fucking ending the yeah. the concert and <laughs> after one song. Hey, y'all can't yeah. do that here. Fucking shut up, piece of shit. People have been playing on street corners since, like, before writing exist existed. <laughs> Long before your job uh, ever occurred. So, um... Management of a novice alchemist is... It's it's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, I'm gonna keep watching it, but... It, it but fine. you always keep watching things long after you've lost interest in them. Correct. Um, uh, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer is continuing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Both the ones that only you are watching seem like uh, you're not super excited about. No, not particularly. Um, I, I will mention I'm trying to catch up with Mob Psycho. We're, we're like six or seven episodes into season one. Okay. So, uh, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> You'll eventually get up to s the season we're on. <laughs> yes, eventually. Maybe even before the season is over. Maybe. Maybe. Well, <laughs> we might start this season before it's over. Uh, um, Gundam. What, what are you thinking about Gundam? I'm not caught up on it, but... I mean, basically, my thoughts from before hold. It's fantastic. It's it is. wonderful. 
it's a little thin on character development. Yeah. I don't know if that holds true currently, because again, I'm not caught up, but the five episodes I have seen lack depth for most of the characters. Yeah, they they have spent a little bit of time um, uh, delving into some of them. Um, like the the one that she wants to be friends with. Uh-huh. The one who's her boyfriend but isn't. Right. But is but isn't. Um, I think uh, I think she's actually the boyfriend in this situation. <laughs> Main character. Okay, you, you think Saleta is the, the boyfriend? Yeah, Saleta um, is totally the to fucking... Ellen? Yeah. Ellen? Yeah. She's the boyfriend. Um... So yeah, and then, then like, Elon's dead, but Elon's there, and he's not Elon, and he's tricking them, and yeah. Wait, so, what? We got, we got, we got some history on Elon, so that's interesting. Elon's um, dead? So anyways, uh... That's the, that's the dude <laughs> in the, like, student council equivalent who was, like, making friends with her, right? Uh, yes. The, the cute boy... One of them. Right, the um, the one with the most boyish characteristics. Because the others were like the, the dude who was the best pilot in the school, and then there was... Yeah. There's the shirtless dude who's like vaguely Middle Eastern. Yeah, not him. Yeah, and no. then there was like his right-hand man, the cute boy character. It's either him or a different one that you're not remembering. Okay. Um, it's it's been a minute since I've seen an episode as well, so, and also it doesn't show me all of the characters, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But yeah. There's there's some there's some shit happening. Uh, Miorina is actually uh becoming more involved in anything at all. So, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it, it, Gundam's still great. I, I enjoy every episode. But there's a lot of characters and they all have names, and I don't remember them. Okay. Uh, you want to say anything else? Uh, I don't really have anything else to say. Okay. Has Uncle oh. from Another World started back up yet? Nope. Okay. Because <laughs> nope, it it hasn't. Cadence was watching it, and then she like looked into it, and apparently they were supposed to start re-airing in Japan near the end of November. Okay. Um... Yeah, but they never. Um, I guess they didn't start re-airing over here yet. I I guess not because they really are taking their sweet ass time on that um yeah i guess the entire uh still seven episodes the entire studio had to shut down for a while because there was an outbreak of covid okay yeah sucks it does (laughs) uh sucks that covid is still around yeah it it looks like it released in Japan on the 25th 
of November. Was that even a full week ago? No. Uh, so maybe it'll come out tomorrow. Maybe it's like maybe. off by a week. We'll see. Uh, well, actually, they usually had a two-week delay. Oh, damn. So. That's long. Yeah, it is. So we'll see on the 9th. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for some Bad. game facts, John? Oh, you betcha. Game facts. The facts about the Portopia serial murder case. Yeah. Hey, you almost you created, like, a jingle there. Shut up. I was hoping to bypass the little song, though, by asking you that question, but then you jumped in. But you didn't. <laughs> the Portopia Serial Murder Case is an adventure game designed by Yuji Hori, which is a name I'm familiar with, uh, yep. and published by Enix for the NEC PC 6001 and the 6001 Mark II. That's the first time that one's appeared. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Mark II, yes. <laughs> and then ported to the PC-8801, FM-7, that's a radio station. FM-8, <laughs> that's also a radio station. No, MSX. It's not, not, not in the right band. It'd be like between like 70 and 100. Something. Whatever. Sharp X1, Famicom, and eventually has made its way to mobile. So this is an old game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 1983, I believe, is when it first came out. Damn. That's older than Zelda. <laughs> oh, considerably. Yeah. M much, much earlier. In the Portopia serial murder case, you play as the detective boss who, with his assistant Yasi, Yasuhiko Mano, must solve the murder, or perhaps suicide, it's not a suicide, of bank president and loan shark Kozo Yamakawa, and later another connected man. See, not a suicide. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> a connected person does not die in a suicide. Yeah. Uh, his his name is literally boss. Uh, his his it, name it's, is boss. It's, it's 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 not like manager or like, like some word that they've translated. His name is literally bossu. <laughs> no, it's just like what Yasuhiko calls him, right? Y yes, yeah, I guess basically. Okay, so here's the possible suspects: Kozo himself. It's not him. Fumie Sawaki, his secretary, Rokuro Komiya, his elderly security guard, Toshi, his useless bum of a nephew, Yukiko, local store owner's high school-aged daughter who recently lost said father when he killed himself due to his massive debt to Kozo. I'm going to guess it's her. <laughs> Kawamura, a con man who once got in a fist fight with Kozo. Okoi, a stripper who has connections to both Kawamura and Kozo, and Fumie's long-missing unnamed brother. Who Wait, did it? Who's who's Fu Fumi? Oh, the secretary. Okay, Fumie Sawaki. Yeah. Yeah. Who did it? Well, 
Who who done it? Uh, Yukiko. You, you think Yukiko? I think Yukiko. What did. if I? What if? I swear to fucking uh, God, if you say they all did it, and this is a fucking Murder on the Orient <laughs> Express situation, I hate Murder on the Orient Express. It's like one what, of the worst mystery books ever. What if I told you that it was your assistant Yasuhiko Mano? Who really? Did- <laughs> yes. He he ends up being Fumie's long long missing unnamed brother. <laughs> <laughs> What's his motive? Um, Kozo had some hand in the death of their parents, I believe. Oh, okay. So Fumi was not yeah. his secretary by choice. Um. Both of her parents were driven to suicide. Yeah. By Kozo. Yeah. Okay. The game uses an early parser developed by Yuji Hori himself to interact with the game, traveling throughout the areas available in the open world to gather clues and interrogate those connected. And you can even, even manually dial phone numbers to connect with people not currently available, or ever for some. To talk to in person. It has a whole ass phone system. It does. What the fuck? Uh Uh-huh. So you can just like type in random fucking phone numbers and one of them might eventually connect to a character you might not otherwise ever meet. Correct. And and since this is a mostly text-based, I mean, it's, it's got art for it. Like it's it, it is an a graphical adventure game, but right. it's 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 mostly text. Um, it, they he he hand wrote a whole bunch of things. Like if you get the wrong number, it'll say something funny for you. So yeah, that is fun. You you gotta you gotta write down your phone numbers that so you can call to people. <laughs> this dude is awesome. Down phone numbers to remember things. <laughs> <laughs> While the game is not the first text adventure game, it's certainly one of the first in Japan, and it's also the second game Enix ever published, after Door Door, developed by Chunsoft. Door Door? Yeah. What is it? What can Door Door possibly be? (laughs) I want to hear your guess. Okay, Door Door is a game where... You are trapped in an endless maze of perfectly square rooms, each of which have four doors leading out of the four cardinal directions, and you have to find your way through by opening doors. Ah. Well, you are somewhat correct in that it is uh, seemingly endless and a maze and has doors. Okay. Um. It's, it's a puzzle game where there's monsters chasing after you, and you can open doors, and then they go into said doors, and then you can, like, turn around and close them and keep the, the monsters in there. Um, but you have to be quick about it, or else they'll escape, and if you do it from the wrong side, you might trap yourself in an area. So, yeah, it's, it's a small little door puzzle game. Eventually, there was a, I think a Mario game made that was similar to it. Basically just stole it. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's not the same, but it, it's 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 pretty close. Right. Uh, due to the good reception the game received, Enix connected Yuji Hori with Chunsoft to port the game to the NES, where they arbitrarily added a wizardry-style maze to the game because Yuji Hori liked it. They went on to work together more in the future, where Yuji Hori would lead design for Dragon Quest. Yep. Which means he is solely responsible for making Enix billions of dollars. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because Enix was like, hey, you know, I'll I'll publish your game. And um, I got this other company that that made Door Door, our first game. So, like, maybe the two of you could work together and make something cool. And then uh, Enix is like, fourth through 30th games have been Dragon Quest. (laughs) Right. And Yuji Hori has worked on every single one of them. Correct. Yeah. He, he still does lead yeah, design for He is Dragon still Quest. the lead designer. The same way that um, uh, the, the artist for Dragon Ball Z, I can never remember names, but he's uh, still the main character and monster designer for the series. Yeah. Akira Toriyama, I want to say. Correct, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's correct. I, I just... I, I get it mixed up so much because I used to have it nailed down every time because of Dragon Ball Z abridged and it would just be, I would think, and I would be like, what do they say in, in DBZ abridged? Um, at the beginning of every episode of like that, the, this is actually owned by a curatorium. Please support the official release. Uh, but then I started watching a lot of SAO abridged and they do the same thing. But with Reki Kawahara. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, Akira, Akira Kawahara. No, that's wrong. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he still works as a primary game designer for the series, but he does take breaks every now and then for other games, like when he became supervisor for the small, less well-known indie title that he also worked on with Akira Toriyama, Chrono Trigger. Yeah. 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 Just little little just indie game. Little indie game made Square fucking billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Still. Still does. Still to this day. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Speaking of other games that came from the success of Yuji Hori, the following developers credit him with inspiring their career in games. And, and more specifically, credit... This game, the Portopia serial murder case. This specific game? Yes. Okay. Uh, Well, looking down the list, I can see where a couple of them come from. Uh, Yeah. A.G. Aonuma, who has directed the Legend of Zelda series since Ocarina of Time. So, all of the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, you take that back. A Link to the Past is the best Legend of Zelda game, and it is before A.G. Aonuma. I'll recognize it as good, but I've never liked it. Ah, well, you're wrong. (laughs) Hideo Kojima, Metal Gear, among others. Most recently, Death Stranding, a game that I really want to play, but also cannot ever find time to play. (laughs) Toshihiro Nagoshi, Yakuza and Judgment, as well as Ace Attorney. Yeah, that one's pretty straightforward. The the last two are pretty straightforward, because Yakuza has a lot in common with um, detective adventure games. Yeah. 
Uh, it doesn't look it on the surface, but once you play it, it's pretty obvious that it comes from that lineage. And and honestly, Ace Attorney could very well just be a, a goofy version of Portopia Serial Murder Case. Right. It, yeah. It, it really is just that. I'll never Funny. get over Ace Attorney naming a character Old Bag. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, if if we wanted to talk about Ace Attorney names, we we would need an entire episode, right? I and mean, would... I, I haven't actually gotten far into the games, so that's a pretty early one that I'm aware of. Yeah, and and honestly, we we wouldn't even get into game facts or stuff. It, it, the the game would just be, let's talk about the, the silly the, names the in would Phoenix Wright yeah, games. Here, here are the names. <laughs> uh. As previously stated, the Portopia serial murder case performed very... Actually, hold on. I need to talk about this for a second. There are a total of two murders in this game, apparently. Yeah. So... Technically three deaths, but yes. But that doesn't qualify for a serial murder. And actually, since he has motive, he doesn't really fall under the label of a serial murderer to begin with. Serial murder is the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offender in separate events. I thought it was three or more. Hmm. That is from FBI.gov. Okay. (laughs) So. All right. All right. I'll let the FBI have their... I'll let, I'll let them have it. I'll let them have it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I hate the FBI. As previously uh, stated, the Protopia serial murder case performed very well, selling over 700,000 copies for the NES alone, not to mention all those fucking unknown-ass computers up there, and spawning <laughs> two sequels, the Hokkaido serial murder case and... Karazawa Abduction Notice. Despite doing really well in Japan, it has never been officially released outside. Until now? Within the last two weeks, Square Enix filed a new trademark for the Protopia serial murder case, which usually is a signifier of new work on a project. Perhaps a remake, remaster, or western release might be coming soon. And that was just the facts. As long as they have Yuji Hori work on the, uh, whatever they're doing. I'm, I'm sure he will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, this, this is one of those things where, like, I, this has been on my list to talk about for, uh, like, six months. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, this is, this has been something I, I ran into and I was like, oh man, that's, that's, that's super cool. I, I want to talk about that. Like, like, the beginning it in your pocket. Yuji Hori. It, it's it's the second game he ever made. Um, the first one was a sports thing he made with, like, connected to Enix. Like, Enix was doing a basically a game jam sort of thing, and he made a sports game for them that later got published, I think? Um, <clears throat> but, like, this was the second game he made, and it, it was hugely influential and and so also popular lives and yeah and <laughs> it's rare that things are influential and popular yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, so but seven hundred thousand copies for the NES is a boatload of copies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Most games did not crack that number. But I, I hate when I release something. Like, it's it's good for the fact itself, but I hate it personally when, like, I have an idea for a topic, and then I go to say it, and then there's, like, suddenly news about it. Because it, it looks like it's like, ah... John was looking in the news and uh, he saw this and researched it and that's why it's in here. And it's like, no! I've known <laughs> about this forever! Right. I'm a hipster! <laughs> I swear I knew about this before it was cool! <laughs> Alright, well. It's light novel time because this is Weeb Week, apparently. And uh, we're, we're talking about week. Infinite Dendrogram 4. Every week is Weeb Week with us. I mean, we're just a couple of weebs, so... Speak for yourself, weeb trash. You like Sword Art Online. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. A very good and reputable anime. That is the most weeb shit you can be into. (laughs) I don't know if that's still true. Um, What could you be more into into that is more weeb? Um, what is the most weeb anime of all time? Google says Sword Art Online. Um, all right, let's see, let's see Reddit. Really weeb animes. Um, and good. Everyone here was absolutely roasting them. (laughs) <laughs> every single person was like the fuck is a weeb anime <laughs> um quote the anime.com says 20 plus anime you need to watch to be considered a weeb and uh what are the first five all right top five is uh i i guess i guess i'll go five to one yeah that's fine um Number five, Demon Slayer. I mean, that was awesome, one I would have chosen, that, by... I wouldn't have chosen that. That's just, like, really good fucking action shit. You can be into that whether you're a weeb or not. Attack on Titan. That's fascist weeb. Bleach. That's pretty weeb. Naruto. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you still like those two after all the fucking horrible filler that they... That they had in there. You're a weeb. I think you can guess what number one would I be. I mean, it's just One Piece because they just threw it's, the fucking... It's One Piece. They threw everything that's ever been in the big three into there. Yeah. Uh, Boku no Hero Academia is higher. So is JoJo's. Uh, one Punch Man is 10. FMA is 11. Could yeah, this is 12. just whatever is popular. It's just all Eight, popular anime. 13. Um... Whoever made this list uh, should go, like, shove their head in a toilet bowl. <laughs> wow! Wow! You're just bullying this person on the internet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, legit, they're just like, what is the most popular anime by viewership? Okay, I will take that, and I will make that my list of most weeb anime. That's all that is. Um, 
Sword Art Online was not on that list. It went to 21. Because nobody watches it. <laughs> See? Nobody's watched it since season one, where it wasn't even that good. Dude, they're still making movies of it. I know. Out. So. Uh, somehow. So you're obviously wrong. But let me tell you, One Piece movies sell out harder. Well, yeah, you gotta go see uh, Nami's boobs. Did I get the reference right? I mean, sure. I've never actually watched One Piece at all. Nami does have big boobs. <laughs> okay, I was I was pretty sure I was right. Yeah. But, I mean, all the female characters in One Piece have big boobs. Like, 90% of them have hourglass figures. Extreme yeah. hourglass figures, so. Yeah, but none of them are quite like Nami, who has gotten, like, actual measurements throughout the anime for, like, hey, it's it's... Book number 70, y'all been asking her measurements again. So here's her measurements at the end of this point. It's like Right, and they change this, constantly. This, they change constantly, and all of them are literally impossible. Yes. Like, <laughs> all of them are like, how, how is that even physically... Like She's a J-cup. And if you look at her in the early manga and anime, she is a reasonably proportioned 17-year-old girl. And if you look at her today, she is the most booksome 19-year-old you will never see. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like 38-inch, 22-inch, 34-inch, which is... You would die. You would die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you, You would die. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so we're talking about Infinite Dendrogram 4. Uh, We've dicked around long enough. I don't actually have a recap this week, partly because I didn't want to write one, but but also because I struggled with what I would write. And, and the reason for that is this book is literally just a series of... Is that four? One, two... Three, four, yeah, four major fights. Like, like that is all this book is. So interspersed with backstories of characters. Yeah, but they go on for like five pages at most, and then it's just right back to a fight. So, Franklin's game starts. You know, Franklin at the end of the last book, he was on top of the arena where Figaro and Zunyu had just finished their battle. And he stopped them in time within that barrier and <clears throat> announced that he was taking over Gideon. Well, immediately he kidnaps Princess Elizabeth and starts releasing monsters inside of the arena. Uh, there one gruesome incident where he unleashes a monster oh, directly underneath a dude and it uh, melts him alive. Because the monster is like a liquid oxygen slime. Yeah. It's it's pretty fucked up. Like Yeah. And then some <laughs> idiot throws fire at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. Yeah. After he had called it a liquid oxygen slime, like dude was just a total moron. Yeah. But uh 
Ray and friends get up and uh, run to leave the arena. Although Ray notices that Marie has already disappeared. She's gone. Yeah, she, pretty much, we'll, we'll learn in a minute, but as soon as Elizabeth was kidnapped, Marie fucking took off. <laughs> Marie said, I'm not letting that shit fly. No. <laughs> but they get to the uh, to the edge of the arena, and there's now a barrier around the greater part of the arena as well, stopping everybody from leaving. Except, as it happens... Noobs who are lower than level 50. Guess which, who that is? It, which includes Ray and Rook. So, yeah. they gather together along with about 20 other noobs and leave... Th- well, they don't quite leave immediately. So, there's a group of people, all traitors to the kingdom who are outside waiting to murder any noobs who happen to figure out that they can leave the arena. Yeah. And they're visible to Ray and the others. So Rook comes up with a plan because Rook is the plan guy. We will learn. Rook, Rook is the Rook plan is, guy. Rook is the plan guy, yes. <laughs> so Ray sticks a single arm out and poisons the fuck out of everybody. Yep. <laughs> and then... Uh. Um, this whole battle takes place uh, from the perspective of the strong, quote-unquote strongest of the traitors out in the, the courtyard. But basically, yeah. the whole courtyard fills with poison, and then a dude on a dinosaur runs around and silences, like, cancels out a high-level magic um, and then starts charming everybody to start killing each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. and, and he loses track. There, there are three high-level uh, people out there, and the, this, this guy that it's from the perspective of loses track of one of the others, this, this priestess whose name I cannot bother remembering. It, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Not in the slightest. I, I, I will tell you, these three mentioned here have not come up in the, <laughs> uh, what have I read, 11 books afterwards. So, <laughs> not huge characters here. Oh, no, they, they probably just quit. I mean... <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. They, 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 they just got their asses handed to them. By, by level 50 or less noobs. Yeah, and especially add on the fact that they became traitors to the kingdom, uh, which I imagine is probably the only place that they have save points, so uh, there's, well, there's a good chance that they're, no, they would they go to the jail. They wouldn't go to the jail because they're not committing any crimes against Tians. Um, only crimes against Tians get you put on wanted lists, so even if they betray, like, they were only fighting other masters, so they wouldn't they, get they put on any wanted lists. They were fighting other masters, but it was a betrayal of the kingdom. But it was still a, a conflict between masters, which is is explicitly not covered by those particular rules. Like, okay. Yeah, no Tians ever got involved, so. 
were some harm to come to Elizabeth, then maybe they would. But obviously that's not going to actually happen. So, yeah. Um, but he loses track of this priestess character. And then he he finds this silver person coming to attack him. And he cuts them in half. And in the middle of it was his friend. <laughs> yeah. Because Rook is hardcore. The, the, the silver was Liz, his coat, covering it. Covering her. Uh-huh. And uh, shortly after that, he gets fucking murdered by Ray. Yeah. Who who tanks that high level spell that got that got canceled earlier? Uh, the dude creates another one and shoots it straight at Ray, and Ray just fucking tanks it like a champ. Well, I mean, he uses a insta. Uh, he does he does use an accessory, but yeah. Were it not for his paladin stats, he still would have fucking like bit the dust. Really? Because I thought it was one of those uh, instant resurrection. Like no, it's it's one of those that reduces damage by a percentage. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So if he didn't have the high HP and endurance granted to him by Paladin, uh, he he would have been ashes on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't. Yeah. Um, so that's the first fight. It's over pretty quickly. But that's because they have to make room for this next one, which takes up, I would argue, like, half the book. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a, it's a long segment of the book. So Franklin has kidnapped Elizabeth and is riding on what's called a monster called the Night Lounge over the city towards the west. Remember, Hugo said it's to the west. Um, and he, he thinks he's pretty safe. He's got a little radar thing that tells him where all of his masters are and all of the opposing masters are. Um, and then Mareep appears out of nowhere and fucking blasts him out of the sky. Yeah, like, <laughs> she, he, he notices that he's dead. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately uh, grabs Elizabeth and starts dashing for the fucking arena at supersonic speeds, which I don't know how everybody's going at supersonic speeds and not blowing out other people's eardrums that are around them. Yeah. But it, it's a game. I'll, pa I'll give it a pass. <laughs> yep. But she doesn't quite make it because Franklin's uh, Franklin is bullshit. I mean, all yes. superiors are bullshit. But Franklin is particular bullshit because he's just got, like, monsters dotted all around the fucking city that are within teleport range for him. So he, he can use this move called castling, which, um, if you've played chess before, you know, you, you switch where, you, where one piece is with the other. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, that's not really how it works in chess, but that's how they're using it in yeah. in this. <laughs> that's what they're referencing. Anyway, he's he's jumping from like monster to monster and he catches up with her fucking pretty quickly despite his incredibly low stats. Um 
and he kidnaps Elizabeth again while calling on Velderbell, his club for this this particular game. Um, yeah. Velderbell is a cool-ass character. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love Velderbell. He, he shows up in later books, too. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, Velderbell is a real-life um, famous orchestra conductor and a composer. Yeah. Who has done everything. Like, like he, he is John Williams. Yeah, I was about to say, he's the John Williams of this universe. Yeah, he, he's, he's just John Williams, or, or Hans Zimmer, one of them. But he has a dream. A dream of writing an opera. Uh, an opera that follows a hero from birth to death. The most amazing opera that would ever exist. If only he could find the will and the the inspiration to write it. But he finds that his own lack of experience with these kind uh, the, these kinds of matters um, holds him back. So he entered Infinite Dendrogram because it's the only way that he can see the kinds of heroes he aspires to write an opera about. Yeah. And for some reason, he sees Franklin as one of those potential heroes. Yeah. Which, I mean, it does, make, it does make sense when you consider he's talking about, like, medieval or, like, Greek heroes. Like, the mm-hmm. who are usually not good people, but who do outstanding no. feats. Yeah. Which, Franklin can fall into that. And he says he's not particularly yeah. interested in Logan... Logan Goddard or the King of Beasts, which yeah. I, I know what those two are like, and that makes sense. <laughs> 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 you won't get there, so I'll just tell you, Logan is a ten-year-old who acts like it, and King of Beasts is weird. <laughs> okay. More weird than normal. Um... But yeah, so Velderbell is not a battle-type character. Or he wouldn't be without his fucking orchestra. So his orchestra is... His embryo is an orchestra of um, four different uh, musicians. Uh, a kobold, a Katesith, a harpy, and I forget what the fourth one is. Me too. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. But they're based on some fucking folktale I've never heard called, like, the Musicians of Bremen. Yeah, I have. You have? Yeah. Okay. And and he they have combat capabilities. So despite the fact that he's not really in a combat class, he's able to hold his own against even somebody like Marie. Because, oh my god, he's bullshit too. He creates an orb of just, like, high-frequency sound all around him that destroys anything that enters that radius. Or anything... Well, I thought they specified at one point anything living, but it also just, like, destroys the fucking concrete and shit around him. So I don't know why they specified that. 
Um, oh, they specified that anything living would get would get killed if they entered. That. That's what they did. Okay. Yeah. I'm remembering now. So beat palpitation. Yeah. And Marie's whole thing is shooting at people with living creatures. So, yeah. so, so her bullets can't get anywhere close. Kind of an issue. Yeah. But I'll tell you she wins. I'll tell you yeah. she wins. <laughs> yeah, so, she does. So, <laughs> okay. So, one big thing that happens is when he uses an even more powerful version of the bullshit skill that he's been using, she just phases out of existence. Like, she has a stealth skill that is not stealth so much as it is transferring to a different plane of existence. <laughs> she just doesn't exist there anymore. For yeah. <laughs> it's insane. And that, I, I forget how the fight actually ends, though. Like, oh. So, so she uses that skill. And then he thinks, because he can't see her anymore, that he's won. And so he turns off his ability like an idiot. And she yep. uses that to just instantly move up on him and fucking murder him. Yep. Well, no, she, she doesn't. She just... Oh, no, she stabs him 38 times in the span of like a second. Which yeah, destroys which... all of his protective accessories and leaves him mostly dead. Yeah, and then they each do their their final skill thing, and and then he's he left wins. on the ground, uh, yeah. and then she shoots him in the head. He wins. She wins. They both win. Yeah, they, I mean, Velderbell did successfully keep Marie from continuing to go after Franklin because yeah. she she used up all of her resources fighting him instead. Uh huh. So Velderbell did win in that sense, but Marie won in the sense that uh, Velderbell is dead. <laughs> this is like uh, there's there's a famous battle uh, in World War One. Where the British needed to keep the Germans out of, like, the Black Sea or something. They, they needed to keep them out of a, a particular sea. And th so they they fought, and the British won, because the, the Germans were unable to, to, to maintain control of the sea. And the Germans won, because they wiped out, like... Nine tenths of the British fleet. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, so both of them went home like we won. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, all of the Germans are dead, and all of the ships are burnt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like all of everyone on both sides died. It's just that the the British lost more. So, <laughs> but the Germans didn't accomplish the goal. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it's exactly that. That is precisely yeah. what happens. Yeah. Um, so after that, Rook and Ray are on their way to the West, along with a group of three girls who are obviously just, uh, like, they're into Rook. Rook is hot. 
<laughs> they're into Rook. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> um, their names are Kasumi, Io, and Fujinan. They're minor characters throughout the series, so I I do I can just remember their names off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, they come up from time to time. But they're they're traveling with Ray and Rook, and Kasumi in particular has a uh, has an embryo that works much like Franklin's bullshit device from earlier. That it, it's just a magic radar that tells her where all of the masters are. But it does give a bit more information than Franklin's because it also tells you the level of people's embryos. Yeah. Um, oh, and later she uses it to, uh, she can use the radar function to, like, uh, she's a summoner, and normally when you summon things, they're just summoned, like, next to you, but she can use her radar thing to summon <coughs> her her monsters in different places. Yeah. So she's that's like, fun. I'm gonna summon you right behind you. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. It, it's Although pretty good. It does, it does cost more SP the further away from her it is. Yeah. It's still cool. Yes. Um, anyway, Hugo is standing there, surrounded by people he has frozen, uh, in order to block all masters from going out the west gate. Because Franklin went out there a few minutes ago, and Hugo is completely... What would be the right word? Loyal? Loyal doesn't even feel like... To the extent Hugo is to Franklin. Um, devoted? Devoted. That's a good word. Hugo is entirely devoted to Franklin. Even when Hugo knows that Franklin is doing horrible, atrocious things. And, yeah. and he breaks his own character in order to help Franklin. That's yeah. what's going on here. Hugo yeah. is giving up on the character of Hugo. In order to participate in this plan. Um, and he stands not in the way of Ray, because Franklin said Ray can pass by, but in the way of Rook and the other three. And also, obviously, all the people he's frozen so far. Now, <clears throat> the way. Okay. So, for, first of all, Rook's backstory. Rook. <laughs> Rook is a ridiculous character. I love and hate that Rook exists. <laughs> so, so yeah, we th this this is pretty simple. Rook's dad is actually Sherlock Holmes. Yes. And Rook's mom is uh, Carmen Sandiego. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they taught Rook how to be. Carmen Sherlock Sandy Holmes. Holmes. <laughs> yeah, Sherlock San Diego. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> completely. Yeah. Like a, like a hundred percent, he is the perfect meshing. It, it, it's it's a case of like normally you pick up a few things here and a few things there. He has a hundred percent of Sherlock Holmes skills and a hundred percent of Carmen San Diego skills. And he makes a note, he has actually surpassed them. Both oh, yeah. of them. <laughs> he and, is better than he, his parents were. And and he did self-study, so he knows other things. So he's not limited to just that. He he can he's just He is a god in human form. He's a super genius who knows it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also conveniently an orphan, which is why he has all this spare time to be on the game. <laughs> yeah. Despite being like 16, 15 years old, like just way too much time to be on the game. Ray is logging in like, Rook, are you still online? <laughs> and Rook's like, yeah, just fucking half asleep. <laughs> so yeah, Rook is a super genius, detective thief person, and also, once he's entered Infinite Dendrogram, it's pretty clear he's also a fantastic beast tamer, like... Ridiculous. I hate and love Rook. Yeah. And Hugo, Hugo's backstory is that he's actually a girl from France who comes from a horribly broken and abusive household uh, who is desperately seeking anybody who will be friends with him as Hugo. Like, yeah, J just really needing somebody to treat them as a friend, and they found that in Franklin. Uh huh. Who they know in real life also, but yeah, like very specifically in the game, incredibly devoted to Franklin because they give them love and attention. Yes, that is the only reason. <laughs> What what are you what are you implying? It really goes in a lot on the fact that like she really liked her elder sister and she okay. did this because uh, <laughs> her, um uh the fact that she couldn't protect her older sister, but she's going to do everything she can to protect uh Mr. Franklin. Franklin. Um, here, here's the problem, is that, uh, Hugo is a boy, so, and, like, you know, Mr. Franklin's a boy, there's definitely no way that Mr. Franklin could is be... Is also the elder uh, sister? Oh, yeah, that's right. They do like to genderbend in this game. So... <laughs> this book can't get anything past you. No, you're absolutely right. Franklin is the sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Damn right she is. <laughs> I feel like it might be a, a localization thing, too, because I'm not sure how quotes work in Japanese, but uh, Hugo always puts quotes around him when referring to Franklin, which kind of kind of calls it out a bit too much, yeah. especially yeah. once Rook figures out that Hugo is a, is a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, at first it can just be like, oh, they're putting emphasis in order to refer to this person that they care about a lot. But then it carries on after Rook reveals the thing, and it's like, okay. Um, so, Hugo is standing in their way. It, he allows Ray to pass as he's supposed to. But because Hugo is a coward and indecisive as fuck... Forces it, it asks Ray to like have one all-out exchange of attacks between each other, and ends up stealing Ray's only counter-absorption. Um, normally, Ray would have a stock of three, but obviously, just yesterday he fought Guzmes and used them all. So 
He's only gotten one back, and Hugo takes it. Like a dick. Like a dick. Like, I really... I lost a shit ton of respect for Hugo uh, in this book. Like... Uh, yeah. I really like Hugo in in book two, but book four like like tramples all over that Hugo. But it makes sense. Like I get it. But get your shit together, Hugo. If you're gonna be Come Hugo, on. you gotta you gotta commit. Yeah. Um. But that just leaves Rook to fight Hugo. Because the other the other three are already occupied with a shit ton of monsters that have been released in the city, and they're not strong enough to handle them one on one. So all three of them are busy dealing with that. But they're a team, so they already work together really well. And, yes, uh, well, are, we do get a glimpse wrecking. of that later. Yeah, they they wreck shit, and it's awesome. Yes, uh, one of them has a weapon that is massively oversized and. Also, can change forms in, into like giant hammers and big flails and shit. It's pretty great, <laughs> huh. but it moves slow as shit. Yeah. Um, okay, so Rook versus Hugo. So Hugo has the skill that he's been using this whole time to stop masters from leaving, La Porte de l'Enfer, which is French for some bullshit. Um, and it slowly, it, it freezes most masters in Gideon instantly, but it's only freezing Rook slowly. Like, a, a, a tiny percentage of his body at a time. Uh, every, like, few, uh, li like, 30, 40, 60 seconds or some shit. Yeah. 13, 23, 36. Rook, meanwhile... Oh, uh, also, Hugo has the big-ass mech that he fights in, so... Yeah. There's that also. <laughs> Can't forget that. Um, Rook, meanwhile, has uh, Marilyn, the big dinosaur, uh, Babby, his, his embryo succubus, and Audrey, who he cannot use because as soon as she popped out, she was frozen up to her waist. Or whatever the equivalent of a bird's waist is. Yeah. Um, so it's just the three of them. And also Liz, who he explicitly does not name when announcing all of his monsters to Hugo. Noticed that. You also noticed that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like, huh, he didn't say Liz's name. Um, so Rook using his detective uh, observational abilities and his great dexterity granted to him by his thief mother is able to easily dodge all of Hugo's attacks and locate openings in order to uh, allow Marilyn to bash the big mech. Yeah. But it's obviously not something Rook can keep up forever because, like, stamina is a thing. Um... But also, the the big mech is constantly taking damage, and uh, eventually it's going to break, so Hugo also cannot keep this up forever. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so we have to talk about something. So, in order... In order to win, Hugo has... Or not Hugo. Rook has to do a couple of things. So first, he has to figure out how Laporte de Lonfer works. Okay, so it froze all of Gideon's masters instantly. It's fr it's freezing him a little bit at a time at random intervals. It froze Audrey like halfway through. So how does it work? Well, Hugo's embryo is named Cossetus. Cossetus is the name of the ninth circle of hell in Dante's Inferno, where... I believe it's uh, Cocutus. I don't know how to pronounce this shit. It's Cocutus. all French to me. It's Cocutus. Italian. Dante's Italian. It's Greek. Whatever. It's, 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 it's ancient Greek. Fine. It Cocutus. lamentation. Cocutus. Hugo's, Hugo's embryo is Cocutus. The ninth circle of hell in Dante's Inferno, where betrayers are frozen up to their waist and have Satan gnawing at them for all eternity, I guess. I've never read Dante's Inferno. That's how Rook explained it. Yeah. Um, so, betrayers. Okay. Betrayers, betrayers. Uh, oh! It's the the amount of people of the same kind that or, or the amount of creatures I have killed of the same designation as me. Okay, so I fought Marie earlier in a fight that I, we haven't actually gone over yet. Uh, suffice it to say, Marie kicked his ass like ten times, but it, Rook learned a lot about how to use this thing that's coming up. Um, yeah. So, okay, so betrayers, creatures of the same type. Okay, betray, also, Judas, betrayer, uh, Christianity, Judas, you know, 13th disciple, Judas. Uh, oh, this is, uh, this seems to be hitting me at random intervals that are multiples of 13. Okay, I've got it now. Rook figured it out. It's a, X percent chance to freeze a person, X percent, or every 13 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. X being the number of creatures of the same type a person has killed. So, since he had killed a few humanoids recently, it was at, like, like seven. Yes. So, <laughs> so he had a seven percent chance... To freeze 7% of his body every 13 seconds. Yeah. Which is Which why is it was why hitting... It took a really long time to freeze him. But it also is why uh, the other people who were at uh, this <laughs> arena for fighting other people of the same type as you... Uh-huh. Who had killed probably more than 100, meaning that every 13 seconds they had a 100% chance... To freeze 100% of themselves. People like that Bishmal dude probably had, like, thousands of human kills under their belts. Yeah. <laughs> I have a thousand percent chance to freeze. <laughs> a thousand percent a of, of my body. Yeah. Um, so Rook figures that out. Okay, so then we have to talk about the other thing Rook does. Because I hate this. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so oh so Rook has Rook has a new ability. That I love um, the name of it. Union Jack is a great name for an ability. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So uh, Union Jack is the ability, and uh, it allows him to combine three or two two three others creatures. Yeah, into a singular creature. Oh, so well, it is three creatures, but one of them is him. So I'm not sure if he could apply it to other monsters under his control and not include himself, and then use three other creatures. But in this instance, it's three creatures, Rook, Babby, and Marilyn. Those are the three, all combined uh-huh. into one person to create... He calls a dragon devil man. <laughs> <laughs> One of us had to say it eventually. One of us had to say it. Dragon Devil Man. Who is basically just a devilish, hot, older rook. Yep. (laughs) With a a spear that has three horns on the end of it. Yeah. What if if rook was in his mid-twenties and had horns and wings? That is what Dragon Devil Man is. Oh, and scales also? But, I mean, he's wearing, like, a cool coat and shit, so. Yeah. You don't see too many of the scales. Yeah, and then uh, he fights one-on-one with the mech and basically wins. Um, uh, Hugo they... Hugo has another skill up his fucking sleeve, though, which is yeah. taking all of the heat from everything that Laporte de Lanfer has frozen up to that point. And turning it into a blade of heat? Which yeah. isn't how physics works. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, unfortunately, it, it does fuck Rook up a bit, because uh, that dude I mentioned earlier, Bishmol, had encased himself in fucking flame before getting frozen by Hugo. Yeah. So, it was very hot. But, uh... Yeah. Rook fucks Hugo up. Hugo fucks Rook up. Uh, Hugo gets distracted by Kasumi, Io, and Fujinon and being like, Oh, now that I've basically beaten Rook, I'll go fuck them up. And the book calls it out as the most significant mistake Hugo had made that night. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Because, uh, hey, guess what? You have taken out three. There's still Liz. There's still Liz. <laughs> and Liz opens the door to the cockpit, making it so that... Uh, Rook can charm Rook Hugo. Can, can char- charm Humo. And it's all over then. Yeah. Like, yeah, once, at that point... Once Rook can charm you, you're, you're fucked. Yeah. Because either Rook's charm works, or Babby's charm works. One of them works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of one of them is guaranteed to work. Yeah, because y- you y- Hugo definitely does not have any fucking anti charm accessory on or some shit. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Nobody expects charm. They called that out earlier in the PK fight. The fucking the 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 guy it was from the perspective from was like, man. We weren't expecting charm. That was one of the first accessories we said we wouldn't need. Here we are. <laughs> uh, 
Um, And then there's a quick fight at the end, a quick but significant fight at the end of the book. So, Ray passed Hugo earlier, got out into the field. Okay, so the Royal Guard got out there first um, to to get ready for Franklin. Because they knew Franklin was going to come out that way. I don't remember how they figured that out, but they did figure it out. Um, So the Royal Guard's out there. Franklin gets out there and six this monster called the RSK on them. And I'll tell you, when I first read the book and I saw RSK, I knew what that stood for instantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, they have a, a an extremely poor compatibility with this monster and are unable to deal with it in any significant way. Eventually, it gets to the point where it's just Liliana and Sir Lindos, the the two strongest knights, fighting the thing. And then Ray shows up. Now, first, they have a bit of back and forth between the Ray, Ray and Liliana and Franklin, um, where Franklin is a dick. <laughs> Yeah, Franklin's an absolute piece of shit. Yeah, Franklin sucks just at every level. <laughs> yeah. like, Absolutely. Even if he wasn't a bad person, his attitude just sucks. Yeah. Like, 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 like a really scummy, scummy individual. Yeah. Even if he was on my side, I wouldn't like him. No. <laughs> Um, but basically he has a big button and the big button is go, uh, can release all of the monsters in the city. Um, it's also on a timer. So in 652 seconds, he says, it's going to release all the monsters in the city anyway. You just have, now you can stop that if you destroy this remote. I'm going to throw the remote. Inside yeah. the monster that paladins can't beat. <laughs> More specifically, Ray cannot beat this monster because the RSK audible groan stands yes. for the Ray Starling killer. So you might ask, why does Franklin have such a grudge against Ray? Uh, and the answer is because literally everything Ray has done since starting has been fuck up Franklin's plans. No, only one thing. Only one thing was that. It was the uh, very first thing Ray did. Which was save Millian and Liliana from the the uh, demi-dragon worms in the old Reeve Orchard. That thing yeah. that took up... In eighth of the first book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Franklin has been salty about it ever since. Um, Franklin yeah. was the penguin that gave uh, Ray the dog ears before. And with the dog ears, he also slipped him like a little tracking spy device. Where he was able to learn all of Ray's abilities. And literally the night before this this game would take place, he used a hundred million lire, 
which if, if I was Ray and doing the calculations, would be like a billion yen. Yeah. In order to create a monster specifically to fight this lower than level 50 noob. Yep. <laughs> Vindictive bastard. Vindictive piece of shit. <laughs> so yeah, it's got immunity to toxins and to fire and to holy and... Uh, the, the whole vengeance and mind thing, uh... It, it generates monsters within itself so that it never has to do damage itself, and so vengeance yeah. is mind does no direct damage. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway! Oh, shit. Uh, Ray is like, okay, I've got this. He's not that confident, but... He, he spends, like, three minutes fighting it, trying to find a weak point or anything, figures out, oh, Vengeance's mind isn't going to work. Okay, I've got this. Burns his fucking eye looking directly into, like, super bright lights in order to see that there are monsters inside of the thing. Um, and then he gets on Silver and rides up into the sky, because that's a thing Silver can do. And uh-huh. uses that, uh... That stupid uh, shield thing. That stupid shield thing. The the thing that was completely and totally fucking useless before. Didn't stop jack shit. Anyway, it turns out that if you use it in combination with all of the grudge, the, the magic that the grudge-soaked greaves accumulates, then you can apply all that magic to that shield. And strengthen it to the point where you can create a solid wall of air. Uh-huh. And you want to know what happens when uh, practically solid air uh, is released and can return back into its free-floating air, airy self? Well, do you know what happens when you pop a balloon? Boom. <laughs> Magnitude that by a million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Ray pulverizes the shit a, out of it. Yes, <laughs> and then because Franklin, despite spending a hundred million lire on this thing, was still a cheap bastard. <laughs> he didn't make the inside of the RSK flame flame proof. <laughs> so Ray just sticks his arm inside of it. And fucking, uh, charcoals his arm to release fire inside of the monster and cook it from the inside until it dies. Yep. Uh, it was badass. Yeah. (laughs) Bye-bye, RSK. Yeah, if he was a real person, he would be dead, but... (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, like no way. <laughs> uh, See, it and was, that's it was fun. That's the end of this book. Yeah, it's it was it was a pretty good book. It is a lot of fighting. It is pretty much <laughs> just fights, beginning to end. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But they were good fights, most of them. They were, but like even the backstories were fights. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> like aside from Rook and Hugo, uh, all, all the backstories were like, oh yeah, let, let's talk about something we did yesterday. Um, oh yeah, uh, that was when Rook and Marie fought. And let's go over that for a bit. And <laughs> it's like, even everything is fights. All of the fights are fights. The things that aren't fights are still fights. Yeah, it's it's a very fight-heavy book. Um, we put fights in your fights so you can fight while you fight. Yeah. <laughs> I love this one, though. Uh, it, it might be one of my favorites in the entire series, this book. Okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, it, it, the the man has an eye for action. Yeah. But, like he he is really good at writing action. Um cuz I can get bored during fight scenes pretty easily, but this one kept me pretty engaged all the way through. Yeah. So and it's pretty it, good. And he still sprinkles in enough other stuff to to keep the questions running. Yeah. Like a Marie, when she's trying to escort Elizabeth to the arena, it's implied that she has realized who Shu is. It's oh, never yeah. it's never spelled out who she's talking about being who she's figured out he is, but she's she's pretty concretely figured out that Shu is the king of destruction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And she's right. He could protect her. <laughs> yeah. She's like, if I could just get her to the arena, that guy can protect her. And yes, that guy could protect Elizabeth if she had managed to get Elizabeth there. Yeah. She didn't. Nope. Um, we do have one we... more of these books left, and I will say look forward to Shu doing stuff in this next book. Ooh. She was finally going to get to step up to the plate. That's cool. Um, you said you had taken some pictures of things. Did you want to call any of that out? Oh, yeah. Let me... Let me pop that open. Okay, uh... Oh, the residence of Count Gideon was a curious structure with a modest main building and a fancy annex. The main office of said modest... Oh, that part doesn't matter. Okay, so basically what's happening here is the Gideons are a modest people. They don't like all this fancy bullshit that other royals like. But because other royals like it, they've added on an attachment to their residence that is fancy bullshit. Um, my issue with this is the Gideons should just say, when in Rome, do as the Romans. Um you know, if you're visiting me in my house, then you're going to live like I live. Uh, you don't get your fancy bullshit. You get to stay in my humble abode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's politics. And and uh, also, like, uh, Zunyu probably wouldn't have come if they didn't have a thing to properly have the, the, the ambassador child thingy person, so... It's um, one of those cases where, like... You mean Zhuang He? Yeah, that one. 
Uh, the country. Oh, you're talking about the character Zunia. My my bad. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay. So um, like he 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 wouldn't have come. He wouldn't have brought the kid that they needed to do the thing. And yeah, she. Whatever. <laughs> um, was, I will say they, they still would have her last book. On top of all the other characters that didn't matter last book. Wait, who? Nobody mattered last book. Oh, so Figaro, Zunyu. Yeah, they don't. Uh, I don't think they get out until like the end of the next book. I, I think it legit takes that long. The the two of them. I think they're just trapped in there for this entire fucking exchange. It kind of blows because yeah, they did spend the entire third book building up the fight between Figaro and Zunyu. Like that was going to be important. But it was really just a coincidental thing that allowed Franklin the opportunity to do all this shit. Yeah. Um, my next picture here is Ray showing that he's a bit smarter than he has led on previously. So, <clears throat> Ray just knows off the top of his head, because uh, all Ray chapters are written in the first person. These are his thoughts. Liquid oxygen, a substance acquired by condensing oxygen gas in the extremely low temperature of minus 182.96 Celsius. It was a highly hazardous, volatile substance that had a great enough oxidation potential to see it used as rocket fuel. Ray just knows this. Just Well, he, in his he used it with Shu in, in school. They did lab stuff uh, creating uh, liquid oxygen by cooling oxygen with nitrogen. I don't know uh, about you. I never did that shit in school. I, I never did that. I What the <laughs> fuck school did he go to? Like, clearly, they are a cut above. No. Um, so, <laughs> Ray is actually like a genius. Um, he's he's the, the college that he's going to will eventually be revealed to be Tokyo University that he got into very easily. Um, notably, one of the hardest schools to get into in, like, the world. <laughs> he's, he's legit, like, incredibly smart. And he just doesn't use it most of the time. <laughs> Yeah, sure doesn't. <laughs> In Infinite Dendrogram, he just doesn't operate on that wavelength when he's playing these games, which is probably why he took the year and a half off from all games in order to study. Yeah. Um... Oh, here's Marie explaining how everybody in Legendaria should be in jail in real life. Yes. <laughs> as far as sixth form embryos go, Arkan Seal's very straightforward. By the time they start create <clears throat> getting their ultimate skills, embryos can become a bit creative. For example, there's an embryo that turns people within a set boundary into toddlers. Then there's one that forcibly removes people's equipment and makes them naked. And one that turns people into creatures that they hate. Mine's quite modest in comparison, no? By the way, the ones I just named all belong to Legendaria's superiors. Um, at least two of those superiors should be in jail. Yeah. <laughs> in real life. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're really messed up. Um, then there's the bird I sent you. Uh, what was this picture? I... Oh, I know why I took this picture. Hugo? Hugo. Hugo. Acting is not an inheritable trait. (laughs) No. No, it's not. Hugo says, I also might have inherited some of my mother's acting talent. Not a thing. It's not a thing, Hugo. Not. This is not a thing. I resent the implication that that's a thing. I've seen way too many kids of actors get into movies and shit and not be able to act for shit. Yep. Um, Alright, well, that's oh, it for Infinite Dendrogram. Hold on. This this last picture is just... We said earlier that Rook's dad was Sherlock Holmes. We did not explicitly spell out. Uh, Rook's actual last name is Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> His name is Lucius Holmes. Yeah. What a fucking dick. And, and they, they are named after Sherlock Holmes. Like, yes, they... they, they they accepted the name Holmes because of Sherlock Holmes, like, 200 years ago. They so. stole it from the character. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, that right, was it. Well, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's It's been a bit of a long one. As It has. Uh, there was a lot to talk about. Want to do. Um, join us next time for some more mobile games. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be playing. Oh God! Oh God! What are you about to put up here? Oh no! Oh no! It still says water sort. Uh, I'll I'll give I'll give you the choice. The last time you here's, gave me here's a the choice. Two options. Here's the two options: State of Survival, this. Zombie War, or Lily's Garden. Design and relax. Lily's Garden. If only so okay. we can talk about the commercials. We all, we have to watch the commercials also. <laughs> oh, believe me, I've seen them. <laughs> we have to watch them again. We have to refresh our memory. Yeah, Lily's Garden, Design and Relax is what we will be playing. And Wasn't uh, there a famous actress in those commercials? I don't know. So, uh, yeah, that and uh, what do you want for a... Um, Part three. What do you mean, part three? Oh, oh, uh, what do we got down here? We can talk about the beauty of turn based battle systems. Okay, cool. We'll stay tuned for that, and we will see you next time. Uh, it would be a super huge help if you would like. Like or subscribe and hit that bell notification. <laughs> this ain't YouTube. Uh, if you could uh, follow us or uh, shoot us an email at uh, glowingweekpointpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, it also, like, the best way to get uh, new followers is always word of mouth. So if you could share this with someone, uh, maybe someone who 
like Sherlock Holmes since we've talked about him so much. Um, I know yeah, I like Sherlock you. Holmes. I also like Sherlock Holmes. But See not the time. Benedict Cumberbatch one. That's not real Sherlock. Bye. Bye. <laughs>